We had a great time this morning, and um, I had a great time six or seven months ago when I came here and uh, talked about the prophetic, and uh, yeah, it's just, what a church. Love it. Love it. There's a word, I think, that's bubbling up in you, and it's bubbling up in me as we worship then, And, and, and then Dan started singing it out, which was deeper and closer, deeper and closer. It it made me think about those times when I do a lot of flying and and you you arrive at the airport and you know you've got nothing in your bags. It's, you know, you can go straight through the green channel. But if you're anything like me, as, as I walk through the green channel, I've got nothing I shouldn't have, but I feel like I'm gonna get stopped and I feel a bit guilty. Does anyone ever else feel like that? You know you're clean, but you don't feel like you're clean. And the more I try to walk normally through the green channel, do you get this? The more I walk a little bit sort of kind of strange. It's like, honestly, I'm clean. I'm not, I've got no drugs. I've got no goods that I shouldn't have. And I know I can walk through, but the more I try to walk normal, the more I look weird. You know that feeling? It just kind of struck me the other day that the Lord's always saying, we say, come Holy Spirit, we say, come Lord, and I understand why we do, but the Lord is saying to us, come, you are clean. You are so clean, you are so ready, you are so righteous, because I've dressed you in the righteousness of Jesus. So you can come through the green channel and you don't need to walk funny. You can just come. You can just come. He's calling us into that intimate place where we can hear his voice, where we can see his divine activity. And he's saying, come, come, join in with me. This is the great adventure of being a Christian, of being a holy rebel let loose on the earth, is to join in with Jesus, the whole body of Christ, every single man, woman, and child, to join in. What an extraordinary privilege and uh, we were just talking about that this morning, and in New Wine, we, we just long to see so-called, so-called ordinary believers rising up into their destiny, because actually there is no such thing as an ordinary believer. You are not a mere mortal. You are a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ. And he lives within you. And as I was saying this morning, just a quick recap, If anyone has faith in me, they'll do what I've been doing. They'll do even greater things than these. If you want another bit of Greek after this morning, another means alon, which means different person, same substance. When it says greater in John 14, 12, it doesn't mean just more. Somehow it means greater, that there is more to come. Of the increase of his government, there's more. I don't know what that means, but I know it's about Christ in us. I know it's about him doing an amazing work whereby we become like him. We can just walk through the green channel. We're clean, we're righteous, we're ready. And we've just been seeing churches rise up all over the world, not because of us. We just get to see it, partner with it. But we see amazing things that God is doing as he pours out his spirit. And I was just telling folks this morning of uh, some time in India where we've seen the death here, we have seen the, the lame walk, 
we had this uh, the girl who had written a suicide note, and she said to God, just last Tuesday, I think it was, this Tuesday of this week, Lord, if you don't speak into my life today, the note is written. Is written. She had tried a number of times before, I am going to kill myself. And God came and broke into her life and said, you were made for more than this. Destructive spirit, be gone, because I have got life for you. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? I was talking about the, the nine cabin crew of Emirates uh, on the flights who all, we had words of knowledge as a team. There's someone here, there's a cabin crew lady or a man here with a, a bad shoulder, a bad back, a bad knee. And we were, as a team, able to get in touch with that person and say, have you got a bad knee, have you got a bad back, and pray for them. And every single one of them got healed. Every single one of them had an encounter with Jesus, you know. I love that. I love that. Because here's another word that I think for you. Breakthrough. This is the season for the breakthrough. Breakthrough into the intimacy and the, the union with God. Do you know Jesus says, I call you friends, but he goes even further than that. He says, I want you united with me. Union with me. Union. That is the deepest, deepest, deepest place you can go with me. Closer and deeper. Closer and deeper. Closer and deeper. That's a word that the Lord put in you. And you sung it out, and I thought, yeah, everything within me rises up and says, absolutely. And as we do that, we get the breakthrough. The breakthrough's coming. God is doing this amazing work. I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen the blind eyes not open. I've seen the deaf ears open. I've seen the deaf ears not open. I've seen cancers go, and I've seen cancers kill because we live in this tension. The kingdom is here, but it's not yet full. So we live in this tension, and it's horrible, isn't it? When we see the tragic things in the world, but and yet we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. In Joshua 6, there's a great breakthrough. And I, this, the Lord put this message on my heart from Joshua 6. So if you want to look in your Bible, or if you haven't got your Bible, look on your phone. If you haven't got your Bible on your phone, just pretend. Then we won't know. Just kind of click it on and take a selfie or something. I don't know. It says in Joshua 6, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. This is a picture of a stronghold. This is a picture of a city that does not want to be taken by God. This is a picture where it looks impossible. This is a picture of the strongholds that can be out in the world and the strongholds that can be in you and me. That place where God is not in control, where Jesus is not actively Lord in our lives. Where our thoughts are not captive to him. Where our emotions are swayed by another. Where we are not utterly faithful. Is anybody here recognizing that description? Yeah? We've just got one now. It's just me and you. (laughs) And God says... The breakthrough's coming if you want it. The breakthrough's here if you want it. The breakthrough is here, and I'm going to give some principles out of this chapter quickly of how we can get those breakthroughs. Because it doesn't have to be that way. And God says to Joshua, he says, 
See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Everything hangs on the promise of God. Someone said to me today, how have you kept going? Basically, they were saying, Mark, you're a really old man. And you, you've, been, you've been doing this pastoring thing for getting on for 30 years. You've been a Christian for over 30 years. How did you keep going? And I'll tell you how I kept going. Because I kept going like this. I had glorious mountaintop experiences and I had deep valley experiences. I had times when I was really faithful and I had times when I was a prodigal and ran away. But how did I keep going? I kept going because I hung on. I dared to believe the promises of God. I didn't believe my experiences. I didn't believe my failures. I believed that God had got hold of me and he was not going to let go. And he would bring breakthroughs. And he, the good work he's begun in you and the good work he's begun in me, he's going to bring to completion. And one day I'm going to look at him and you're going to look at him and you're going to think, wow, I've turned into the likeness of Jesus. That's not my promise. That's his promise. Romans 8.30. So how do we get that breakthrough? Because if in the natural, in the natural response is Joshua and the people looked at Jericho, they saw big walls, they saw guards posted around. It looked impenetrable. They were dealing with an impossibility. Are you dealing with an impossibility tonight? You might be. It might be in your own life. You're thinking, how can that happen? I, I'm dealing with a, a mother-in-law right now, my wife's mother who has got cancer in her pancreas, in her lungs, in her stomach, and she was given to the end of this month to live. That's what I'm living with. What are you living with? And I don't know what God's going to do, but I know that sickness is always an enemy of God. He never says, oh, I'm so glad you're sick. I could do something with that. So we all face, as life goes on, we all face the impenetrable stronghold. The thing in our own lives where Jesus isn't Lord. I've had them. If you go around any honest church, you'll find them everywhere. And we want the breakthrough, don't we? We could have some breakthrough tonight. Would that be all right? So this won't be so much as a teacher's invitation to breakthrough. How can we do it? We've got to wrap our minds around heaven. And then the impossible becomes possible. Then the leap into the unknown becomes a step of faith. Do you know, that's where the power of God comes when we step into the impossible, when we step out of the boat in the middle of the sea. It doesn't come before. It comes then, in the moment, now. And so Joshua sees the walls and he sees the guards and he sees the impenetrable and he wraps his mind around God. And he gets a revelation. Jericho, says God, is yours. And he hangs on not to experience, but he hangs on to the promise. Don't see through your own eyes, friends. Look from the height of where you're sat. If you're in Christ, you sit in heavenly places at the right hand. You sit in a heavenly place and you get a different view. See, I know that your heroic pastor, Dan, he went 30 floors up today and he buckled himself onto a zip wire. Did you know this? What a man. That is a man, isn't it? And he just flung himself into the unknown. 
Well, mere mortals, so-called, in this way, like me, we would never do that. I hate heights, but not your pastor. No, he's a man of the impossible. Did it look different up there? It looked different up there. It looked high up there, didn't it? When you looked over the edge, you thought, I'm mad, didn't you? Yeah? You did. You see, you have a choice. Will you wrap your minds around heaven? Will you let God guide you by revelation? Or will you be paralyzed by reason? The people of God live by revelation, not by reason. Without vision, the people perish. That means really without the eyes to see from the God perspective. That's the prophetic. What do you need to see from the prophetic perspective? To demolish the strongholds of a city that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ or the stronghold that's in you. 2 Corinthians 10.5 reads, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The New Living Translation says, we destroy every proud obstacle. Everything that's set up against God I've had it in my life, and you've got it in yours as well. You know, when I had a marriage, when I was very, very, very young, and I did not know Christ, and I just messed up, and I got my girlfriend pregnant, and my life revolved around drink, uh, about, around alcohol, and around being a bit of a football hooligan. I was in trouble with the police. My girlfriend gets pregnant. We decide to get married and it falls apart. And and my life is full of strongholds and false comforts. And I don't know where to medicate, how to medicate the pain. I don't know what to fill this empty soul with because no one's told me about Jesus. And so I get addicted to stuff that kills me, destroys me. And I have so many proud obstacles in my life to Jesus, but he comes and he breaks through. He breaks through and he wants to do that, I believe, in this city and in you and in me and through this church and others. What's the God-given strategy? See, I have delivered Jericho. Dare to believe the promise. And here's the strategy. What do you think of this, guys? Verse 3, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn, horns in front of the ark. There's a really important spirit, two spiritual principles here for the breakthrough that you're going to get. The first one is, well, there's actually more than two, but we'll go with these. The priests are going to carry the trumpets. They're going to blow the trumpets. It's a sign of worship. You are a church with anointing for worship. Do you know that? You have such an anointing for worship. I don't mean that you've got great singers. I don't mean that you've got great instrumentalists or that you've got really funky sort of lighting and all of that. Do not get hung up on that. I like it. Don't get hung up on it. It will never deliver. Jesus will deliver. Don't get so cool that people like me can't come in. (laughs) Seriously, I've seen churches all over the place that get so cool that only the cool can go in. And I'm not the cool. 
I think I am, really, but, you know. I think you're not. I think I am. But anointing. I'm looking at you worship leaders. It's about the anointing, isn't it? It's not, if you just get up there and perform, and you don't, it's great, and I've told you it's great. It's not going to work. But if you lean in to worship and praise, you get the breakthroughs. You know, when they went out to war, this wasn't an unusual strategy. The worshipers went first. When you worship God, you get breakthroughs. You do. When you worship God and, and, and pray, you, anything's possible. You can break through the impossibilities when you worship. If you don't worship, you will never break through because you will have another God. If you do not worship the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, you will worship something else. Girls, gold, or glory. Or for the rest of you, guys, gold, and glory. One of them will get you if you do not worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. March around the city means get vulnerable. They could take any shot at you anytime they want. You're going to get weaker so that I'm going to show you how strong I am. You're not going to surprise Jericho in the middle of the night by creeping up on them. You're going to declare, we're here. And we're going for it with God. And we're going to press into worship. We're going to blow those trumpets. We're going to play those guitars. And we're going to give it all we've got because we believe in the power of God. You know, years ago when you weren't born, some of you, and I was a new Christian, the question was, is it true? The question is no longer, is it true in the culture we live in? The question now is, does it work? Is your God powerful enough to deliver? That's the question. And they're just marching around because they're believing our God can bring the walls down. Our God can demolish strongholds. It can destroy my lust. This is, this is an old list, you'll be glad to know. But you can destroy my lust, my greed, my porn addiction, my alcohol addiction, my pride. I told you this morning, some of you, I've broken every single one of the Ten Commandments apart from murder. And if I got hold of the man who went off with my first wife, I might have done that one too. I'm not proud of that. I'm proud that my Savior, your Savior, can redeem me and you from that. That's what I boast in. So prophetic worship is powerful. And there's a prophetic action. And the second thing they're doing, the prophetic action, is the ark is taken around. The ark represents the presence of God. As you worship, as you praise, as you press into him, the presence of God will fill this place. If you get the cloud, you'll get the crowd. If you get the cloud of his presence, you'll get the crowd of people because people are drawn to the presence of the king. They march around and they praise him and they declare, the Lord is with us. Enemy, you must flee. Holiness will triumph over evil. Prophecy declares the way, and this is a prophetic action. The people are humble, the people are weak, the people are so vulnerable, the threat seems so small. You know, the church has always thrived when it was persecuted. 
The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. As we get smaller, he gets bigger. Well, he doesn't get bigger, he just gets bigger in our lives. I don't usually have these notes, but this is what put, uh, God put my heart for this visit. That's why I, I need to refer to this, because I, I think this is for you guys. Consider the six days that the people marched around the city, blowing their trumpets, worshipping God, knowing God's with them. Did they have some times when they felt this is never going to work? Did they have some times when they thought we'll never get breakthrough? Did they have some times when people crept up in the night to Joshua and said, hey, Josh, this ain't going to work? Like some people might say, hey, hey, Dan, I know you're not good, Josh, it's all right. Hey, Dan, this, Starla, you know, this isn't going to work. Because that's what happens in every church I've ever been in. For 26 years I've been a pastor, they'll creep up to you and say, if we only did it a different way, if we only had this package, if we, if we only, if we just did it like the church down the road, you should see how many they've got. You hang on to the God-given strategy that God has given you. I believe it's about worship and the presence. The presence of God. Going through the green channel, straight up to him and saying, Lord, I come with confidence before your throne because I am clean. I am righteous because of Jesus. And we're going to press in to that really, really close place. We were down in Kenya and the presence of God came. And they brought to us, as we proclaim this message, they brought to us a blind boy, little Derek, six years old. They said, Pastor, he's blind. Would you pray for him that he'd see? And I'm thinking, oh no, they believe this stuff. (laughs) You know, I don't mind praying for a bad back, but little Derek is an orphan. He's six years of age and he's blind. I don't know how to do this. But if the presence of God is with you, and I believe he lives within our hearts, then the king is present. If the king is present, the kingdom is present. We can get the breakthrough. And this matters because the gospel advances not only with words, but with wonders. Jesus never did it with words alone, did he? It was always with the wonders as well. The words, the works, and the wonders, actually. www.citylights. Is that what it is? www should stand for words, works, and wonders, City Lights. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to do this, but Lord, you do. And we, we, we checked how blind he was, and he couldn't see from where Starla is to me. His parents have died. He's living among orphans. The mother's union are looking after him. It's Saturday lunchtime. He's come for his main meal, a cup of beans and a cup of tea. That's his main meal of the week. And we've set up an agricultural uh, project there to literally feed them. But Jesus hates this blindness. He's already lost his life. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the evil one. 1 John 3 verse 8. So, Lord, we're not having it, but oh boy, do we feel weak. We feel like we're marching around the walls and there's no way through. And we prayed for him once and nothing happened. We prayed for him a second time. said, Derek, can you see something? And it seemed like there was a little improvement. And I went, 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. How do I get out of this now without looking bad? Do you ever do that? You know, that's okay. That's, it's a little bit better. I'm not a complete fraud. This is, this is real, isn't it? This is the battle that goes on. And then some bright spark says, hey, why don't we pray a third time? Well, no, I want, I'll settle for the little breakthrough I've had. No, let's pray a third time. I stand here and I testify. We prayed a third time. That little boy's eyesight was restored 100%. Because where the presence of the king is, the kingdom comes. I've now seen that happen five times. The next day is Sunday morning. We go to church. The men on one side, the women on the other side, no children in the church. We're in the front because that's where the really important people sit. You know that, don't you? I don't know who you guys are, but the important people are really in the front row. And we're, we're there doing a thing. It's quite a formal service. It's an Anglican. So I'm an Anglican, and it's quite formal. And, uh, you, know, oh, you know, it's all going on. And I look out the window. Who's climbing through the window but Derek? I said, Derek, come. You sit in the place of honor. And Derek, I'm, the hairs on my arms are just going up now, just telling this story. Derek, you sit here, and you worship with us. And he worships with us because he wants to be around the presence. The presence. And then afterwards... I promise you, we went out under a blazing Kenyan sun. We played football. Have you ever played football with a boy who was blind 24 hours before? It is the most awesome thing in my life. And we're putting up, you know, Derek, how many fingers? Two. Derek, pass the ball here. He knows where to pass it. Derek can see. Derek can see things on bits of paper that we draw for him. Derek is completely healed. What do you think the whole village thinks? The presence of the king. I don't know if they actually thought that, but that's what they experience. And as they march around Jericho, they worship God. They lean in to God, and the presence of God is there. And they know, no matter how weak their strategy, if God is with them, and they lean into him with all their hearts, the walls will tumble, and the stronghold will be taken. That's how he took my personal strongholds. How could I break my immorality? How could I stop, to some degree, being a walking civil war? Because I was exhausted by living a double life. When I became a prodigal, I wandered away. And then I went to Siberia, Russia, and I was drinking too much again. I haven't drunk, got drunk for probably 15 years. But, I, but after I became a Christian, I still wasn't sorted because we're changed from one degree of glory to another. So I go to Russia. I'm met by the pastor. His first question, Pastor Mark, how many people have you raised from the dead? I said, Pastor Vasily, I've never raised anyone from the dead. I thought maybe my teenagers getting them out of bed in the morning, that might count, but, you know, apparently not. I said, Pastor Vasily, how many of you raised from the dead? He said, only five. <laughs> it's the presence of God that brings the breakthrough. It's the presence of God. 
They march around. The presence of God is there. I don't know where I am in these notes, but I just think there's some of these things I really wanted to say to you. And they're coming up to Joshua and they're saying, Joshua, this isn't going to work. This is a bad strategy. And the pastor hangs on. I speak to the leadership here. Hang on to the priority of worship. Do you know, the priority is not mission. Mission is a means. Mission needs to be a priority, but not the priority. The priority is worship. People tell me now in England, mission's the priority. I say, no, worship's the priority. It's about relationship. You abide in him, he'll abide in you. You abide in him, you'll bear much fruit. You don't abide in him, you'll bear no fruit. That's how it is. You, you hang around with Jesus as deeply and as closely, deeper and closer, deeper and closer. And you will bear much fruit to the Father's glory. Guard your worship. Guard your worship leaders. Guard the attacks that will come on worship. Press into the presence and the walls will tumble. And my strongholds fell. My personal strongholds fell. And I started to lead churches that were into growth and into life. And I don't say this is a boast. I say this is a verification of the principle that Jesus does it. Jesus does it. Every church I've ever been in has at least doubled or trebled or quadrupled. And this one too. More so. Because there's great anointing in the leadership of this church and you know where you're going. And you will be weak, but he will be strong. See, the apostle will always pioneer. The apostle will have the vision for advance. The apostle will not settle for the status quo. He knows that God is immutable, unchanging, and yet ever dynamic and instigating change. And he knows, or she knows, that they have a sending spirit, a missionary spirit, a spirit that must see advance, that must see breakthrough. Moses, Elijah, the 12 disciples, the 72, Paul. These were apostles who knew themselves called by God that it would take a different spirit to bring the advance. And I see that in this place. I don't say that to flatter you. I say that because I see it. Sometimes the, apost- the, the prophets will have a problem with the pro- uh, apostles. Sometimes the prophets, because we, I'm more in the prophetic. I, I really believe you two are really the apostolic. I am sort of, but not like you two are. I'm more in the prophetic. And sometimes the prophetic and the apostles, they get a bit of attention going. I don't have attention with you. You don't have attention with me because I'm going after today. You've got rid of me. Well done. But, you know, I don't see perfectly. I see through a, a glass darkly. We see in part. We prophesy in part. We prophesied over people this morning. And by the grace of God, he came, didn't he, if you were here? And he spoke directly into some people's lives. And and Lucy said, share with them this evening. I can't be there because I'm going to a dinner. But share with them. And she told me some more how that word was absolutely 100% bullseye. Because it's God. And I then had another word about something. And it was 100%. But that's not always true. I get it wrong sometimes. Which is why we have to test it and weigh it. And so the prophets come with some stuff, and the apostles say, no, this is the call, this is the call, this is where we're going. 
and the tension comes. You know, the Bible says, first apostles, second prophets. Don't let the prophets run your church. You're called. You lead with your team, with your vicarship. It's a new word that Dan made up because I'm a vicar, like in the Anglican church. It's a formal thing. He said, we'll call it a vicarship. So they come and they murmur. They hang on to the revelation that God has said, I will give you Jericho. You do my strategy and you'll get the breakthrough. And reason is defeated by revelation. In a minute, I want us to do something. You've listened long enough, really. I want us to do something. I want us to say, do you know what? I am first and foremost a spiritual being. I'm not a human being who has spiritual experiences. I'm a spiritual being who's having human experiences. And so are you. Do you see the difference? You are made in the image and the likeness of God, which is being restored, and you are first and foremost not brunette or blonde, tall or short, slim or not so slim. You are a spiritual being clothed in a body that matters to God, made in his image and likeness. And you will not get into this deeper and closer, deeper and closer by intellect alone. As we started to sing in tongues in my church one night, this beautiful symphony, this beautiful choir, suddenly it's like, wow, where did these guys learn to sing like this? And this beautiful spiritual song rose up. And it was glorious. It wasn't led by the band. It, was, it seemed like it was led by angels. And as we came down into a quiet place, one woman wept and wept and wept. And so someone asked her, why are you weeping? And she said, I've just escaped from a worn, torn land. And in my language, the woman next to me was singing in my language. And she said she doesn't know my language but she was singing in my language. And we said, what was she singing? What was she singing? She said, she was singing, I am your father and I love you. I am your father and I love you. You know, revelation trumps reason. You will not think yourself into the breakthrough. You will have revelation which helps you wrap your renewed mind around heaven and the promises of God. What is the strategy for the church? Worship like your lives depend on it. Lean into the presence of God. So they march around the city. Oh, I've gone the wrong way. It doesn't really matter, does it? It's in there somewhere. They march around the city. And uh, then on, then on the, after six days, they have the seventh day, don't they? That's right. <laughs> they have a, and they march around seven times. And the walls fall. And they go and they take the city. They've hung on to the revelation. They have not given in to the reason of a lousy military strategy. Of saying, hey, enemy, here we are. They hung on to exalting Jesus. They exalted Jesus above all things. And as I've got older, I've met more and more people that say only one thing will take your strongholds. 
and that is the worship of God. Nothing else. No amount of Bible study just by itself. No amount of doing. No amount of dutifulness. No amount of legalism. No amount of getting up an hour earlier to to pray because you ought to pray rather than getting up to worship God because you love him and you know yourself loved by him. Does this make sense? Revelation, worship, presence, the anointing that you guys have got and others of apostolic anointing. Mark, who was meant to be with me, he sends his apologies, really sends his apologies. He was meant to be here today, couldn't make it for a really good reason. He's got apostolic anointing. I don't know if I can give you that because that's really not my thing. I do some apostolic stuff, like apostles do prophetic stuff. Build your church on the apostolic and the prophetic, and that's what you'll get. Breakthrough. Build yourself church on teaching alone and pastoral care, and you'll get maintenance. You will. If you build it around just teaching and pastoral care, you'll get, let's look after ourselves, and you'll become a holy huddle. But you build it on the apostolic spirit that is within these two and others, and you will have a different spirit that says, we will get the breakthroughs. And behind you and alongside you, the apostles, uh, the teachers and the evangelists and the pastors will be there. And boy, do you need them. Because I don't think you're probably the greatest pastor in the world in terms of ministry, not the title. You probably, a bit like me, you get a bit bored with people's problems. Is that right? I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just saying that's true of many ap- apostolic person. You're not allowed to say it. I'm saying it for you, see? That's why you get outside speakers in, because they say the unspeakable. All right? Of course, he loves you dearly, and so does Starla. And I, I think it's slightly different for you, that you really do. You, you, you have a pastoral heart in there as well. And I'm not saying you don't, but you know the key thing. The key thing is to press into what God's got for you, and you both know that equally. Does that make sense? You cannot be all things to all people in that sense. You cannot be the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, intercessor, coffee maker, barista, supernatural, a barista or whatever. You can't be all those things, can you? You've got to go to your strengths and you've got to find the strengths of all the people. But you build on the apostolic and you'll get the breakthrough. Now I want to do something because you've listened too long. I want you to stand, if you will. <laughs>